Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Exodus chapter 25 is a chapter dealing with the tabernacle. Jehovah told Moses in verse 10, And they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Verse 11, And you shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and outside you shall overlay it, and you shall make a rim of gold upon it all around. And verse 22, And there I will meet with you, and I will speak from above the expiation cover, from between the two cherubim which are upon the ark of testimony, of everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. The ark of the testimony was the very place where God could meet with man and speak to man. Where is this very special place today? Stay tuned for the surprising answer on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. With us today for a program that I think will touch many of God's genuine seekers is Bob Danker. Brother Bob, welcome back to the program. It's good to be with you on this program also, Chris. Today, Bob, we begin the first of a series of messages dealing with the Ark of the Testimony. I thought it would be helpful today if we could begin with a little background information. Many of our listeners may not be that familiar. Of course, this is an item that has been, oh, somewhat fancifully, I would say, popularized by Hollywood, but the real significance is tremendous, and that's what we want to come to today. What was or what is the Ark of the Testimony, and how is it related to the tabernacle? Well, Chris, physically, the ark was a box made out of acacia wood, which is a very high-quality and strong kind of wood. And this box was overlaid on the inside and on the outside with gold. Now, the box also had a cover on the top of it. And on this cover, there were two cherubim that were facing each other, and also looking at the cover. This cover and the cherubim were also made of pure gold. So here you have two main elements that compose the ark, that is acacia wood and gold, and both of these are very, very meaningful. Now, inside the ark, there were three things put there. One was the golden pot, which contained the manna. The second item was the rod of Aaron that budded in the book of Numbers. And also the third item was the two tablets on which the Ten Commandments were written. The law was written on these tablets, and these tablets were kept in the ark. And the ark, with its contents, was placed in the Holy of Holies inside the tabernacle. So we may say that the ark was the center of the tabernacle that God commanded Moses to build. Bob, we want to look today, particularly in this first section, at the title, The Ark of the Testimony, and why is it called the Testimony? Let's join Witness Lee for our first portion today. What does this term testimony signify in Exodus? In God's consideration, the law he decreed among Sinai, 
through Moses was his testimony. And you know, actually, a testimony is just a poetry, just a picture, a photo. From Genesis 1, God created the universe, then God did a lot of things, but what can God hear? Is he a hating God or a loving God? Is he a God of darkness or of light? Is he holy or what? Common. Is he righteous or unrighteous? The law he decreed was a portrait, a description of God himself. So that law in God's consideration was his testimony. In the sense of the testimony, the law was a type of Christ. Because Christ came to be the living portrait, the living picture, the living definition, description of God. So Christ is the real testimony of God. Today, the church is a testimony of Christ because the church is a portrait, a picture of Christ. One more thing. The ark always is called the ark of testimony or the testimony. Whether you have the article or not, it means the same. The ark of testimony or the ark of the testimony. Whenever we say testimony, or the ark of testimony, or the tabernacle testimony, you all have to understand this term testimony refers to the law. But not the law for people to keep. No, the law is only good to show us what can God our God is. So we have a clear picture of God and this is his testimony. Hallelujah. In this sense, the law is lovable. I love the law because I never saw God but I have seen his picture. So I love the law. Now this law as God's testimony, God's picture, was kept in the ark. The ark is somewhat like today's safe, S-A-F-E. In the tabernacle of the testimony, there is a little box just to keep the law, just to keep the testimony, just to keep God's picture, to keep God's photo. So, the ark of the testimony is a safe, a divine safe. To keep God's picture. Bob, we all understand the word testimony as it's most commonly used today. But we saw when we were covering the law as it was given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai, that the law was first and foremost the testimony of God himself. Let's review this concept a little because it really applies to the ark as well. Why do we say that the law is a testimony of God himself? Well, Chris, In the book of Exodus, God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, and he led them through the wilderness to the mountain of God, 
which was in the wilderness of Sinai. Up until that time, the children of Israel had witnessed God's mighty acts, such as the crossing of the Red Sea and so forth, which he did on their behalf. But they didn't know the person of God. They didn't know what kind of person he was. So when God gave the law, his first intention was not to give them a set of commandments for them to keep, but his first intention was to reveal himself to them to reveal what kind of God he is. And so the law, which was decreed by God to Moses and consists of the Ten Commandments and all the ordinances that followed the Ten Commandments, this law was a full revelation of God's person. And God revealed himself through the law as a God of love. You know, uh, in the Gospels, the Lord Jesus was asked, What is the first and greatest commandment? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God. And then he said, the second commandment is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, on these commandments hangs the entire law and the prophets. This indicates that the spirit of God's commandments is love. Love is the spirit of all the commandments in the law. And that indicates that God is a God of love. In fact, we know God himself is love. And by reading the law, we can also see that God is a God of light. In the law, there is no dark thing. Everything is just shining full of light. We also can see that God is a righteous God. With him, there is absolutely no unrighteousness at all. And he's also a holy God. And he is a God who loves man, who cares for man. He cares for widows. He cares for orphans. He cares even for animals. All of this is in the law. It reveals what kind of person our God is. So the law was not given primarily for the people of God to keep, but to show them a revelation of God. And, of course, we know that the law as God's testimony is really a picture of Christ, who is the living testimony of God. Christ is God's expression. He is the one who defines God. He is the one who explains God to us. If we want to know God, we must know Christ because Christ is God's testimony. And he became a man and lived on this earth so that we could know what kind of person God is. So by observing him and the way he lived on this earth, we can know God. Well, Bob, the Ark of the Testimony is the testimony of God, and the real testimony of God, as we know, is Christ. We're going to see how the Ark relates to him in this coming section. Let's go back to Witness Lee. This Ark of Testimony is the first item of the furniture of the tabernacle. The tabernacle has several main furniture. From our side... You have the altar, then the liver, then you get inside. You have the shoe bread table, you have the lampstand, then you have incense altar, and then in the holy of holiest, in the inmost chamber of the tabernacle, you have the ark. The first item of the main furniture is the ark. The first item. It has the first place. Amen. It has the preeminence. Amen. You must remember this. And this ark 
typifies Christ. The incense altar is a type of Christ. The soup bread table is a type of Christ. Lampstand is a type of Christ. All these four pieces within the tabernacle are different types of Christ, showing different aspects of Christ. Christ has too many aspects. The number one aspect is that Christ is the embodiment of God's testimony. In other words, he is the embodiment of God. Whatever God is, is embodied in Christ. You know that verse, Colossians 2.9? The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ bodily. So the word embodiment is adopted from that verse. God is all embodied in Christ. In other words, God is altogether portrayed, explained, defined by Christ. Christ is God's testimony. And this Christ was typified by the ark. If you only have Colossians 2.9, that is just a plain word. You have a type. You have a picture. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ. What is this? What is this? Look at the ark. And this embodiment of God's testimony for what? For God redeemed people to contact him. I could never forget Miss Amy Barber who helped Brother Nee so much when Brother Nee was young. She said, outside of Christ, you can never meet God. Outside of Christ, you can never find God. Where is God? He's in Christ. Who is God? You have to say Christ. God is not only in Christ, and God is Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. You shouldn't forget Romans 9 5. Christ is God over all. Blessed forever. Our Christ, yes, he was a little Nazarene. He was. But that little Nazarene, as a carpenter, he was God over all. And blessed forever. So, how to counter God? How to enjoy God? In Christ. Through Christ. The New Testament tells us God came. God came for us to embrace. For us to take, to receive, and to enjoy. Well, Bob, if we get into the study of the tabernacle, we're going to touch all these pieces, these items of furniture that are contained within the tabernacle. I think that we'll see that all of these items of furniture in one way or another point to and are types of Christ. But the ark as a type of Christ is uniquely related to our contact with God. How do we see Christ typified by the ark, Bob? Well, as we said earlier, the law as God's testimony was put into the ark For this reason, the ark was called the ark of the testimony. This means that the ark also was a testimony because it contained the law, which is God's testimony. In the same way, Christ is God's testimony 
because in Christ the fullness of the Godhead dwells. Everything that God is is in Christ. Outside of Christ, we cannot find God. Although God exists in this universe, for us to contact God, we must come to Christ because God is in Christ. And Christ is the expression of God. So the ark is a type or a picture of Christ as God's testimony. And this testimony is an embodiment. That means that God is dwelling in Christ. And this is definitely spoken to us by Paul in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. He said, In Christ all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. This refers to the incarnated Christ who had a human body, who had both humanity and divinity. In this person, the fullness of the Godhead dwells, and he is God's testimony. Well, as we saw by the reading of the verse at the beginning of the broadcast, the ark was the place where God met with his people and spoke to them. This means that it is in Christ that God meets with us and we meet with God. We speak to him and he speaks to us. We have fellowship with God in Christ. Christ is typified by the ark. So this ark, which is located in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, is related to our experience of God. As we go further, Bob, to see this type of the ark really being a type, a picture of Christ, the elements or the components of which the ark was made that you touched in our introduction today are not coincidental or insignificant, are they? No, Chris. These two elements that make up the ark are very significant. The first element we saw is acacia wood, a very high quality and strong kind of wood. This acacia wood signifies the humanity of Christ which is strong in character and high in standard. And gold, we know gold is a basic element. It's something very precious, very valuable, and something that never changes. For years and years and years, gold remains the same. You cannot change it into anything else. It's always gold. This is a very good symbol for God's divine nature. In the whole universe, nothing is more precious than God's nature. And of course, we know God is eternal and he is unchanging. He's like gold. That's a very good introduction, Bob, to this coming section. We're going to join Witness Lee, kind of coming into the middle of the thought that you've just set up for us. I appreciate that. Let's go to him now. And they shall make an ark of acacia. Christ became the testimony of God, mainly based upon his humanity. His humanity is the basic element, basic substance for him to be God's testimony. Acacia wood in this type signifies Christ's humanity. He was a human being. He was born of a human mother and he partook of man's blood and flesh. And he had a man's name, Jesus. And he was living as a man. His humanity is the basic substance for him to be God's testimony. This Jesus, his humanity 
is strong in character and high in standard. Now we come to gold. Pure gold signifying Christ's divinity. Casey Wood signifies that Christ was a man. And gold signifies that Christ was God. Gold, its substance never changes. This is God. God stands, remains everlasting for eternity. Christ is one, having two natures, the human nature and the divine nature. He has humanity and he has divinity. He is a man as well as God. This is why he is a God-man. God and man becoming one, this signifies mingling. Look at the picture. Here you have the wood, outside gold, and inside also gold. Gold wraps the wood, and wood wraps the gold. This is not just joining, this is mingling. All the ones who know the spiritual things, they do realize God's reborn children are the same as him. But we don't have the Godhead. We should never be worshipped as God. Christ is the first mingling of God with man. There was a man who was both man and God, who was man as well as God, who was God as well as man. Well, Bob, I think we are both enjoying this type of Christ, uh, the ark, a wonderful picture, isn't it? Oh, it sure is, Chris. I really appreciate how both of his aspects, the human and divine, are seen in this construction of the ark. The term mingling, Bob, was used here by Witness Lee in a very proper way because the gold and the acacia wood are mingled in the ark, but they don't lose their respective identity or respective natures. Is this a good example to use to describe the believers as well, as we are being mingled with divinity. Yes, it's a very good example. The wood in the ark was overlaid with gold on the inside and on the outside. This is a physical picture of something spiritual, and that spiritual thing is the mingling of divinity and humanity. This word mingling has a very proper definition. According to the Third International Dictionary by Webster, mingling means to combine two elements in such a way that the distinction between the two elements is preserved in the combination. In other words, in the combining of these two elements, we do not produce a third element and we do not remove the distinction between the two elements. For instance, in the meal offering in Leviticus chapter 2, in verse 4, the meal offering was composed of fine flour, and the King James Version says definitely, mingled with oil. That means that every part of the fine flour was saturated with the oil. And the oil and the fine flour, you might say the oil was in the fine flour, and the fine flour was in the oil. The two were mingled together, but there was still oil there, and there was still fine flour, and there was no third substance produced. This is mingling. 
And we can use this term very confidently when we speak about Christ. Christ is both God and man. And in Christ, as the God-man, divinity and humanity not only exist together, but they are mingled together. That means divinity is in humanity, and humanity is in divinity. Well, in his speaking, of course, uh, Witness Lee said that we, the believers, are the children of God. We were born of God. Surely, by virtue of our being born of God, we have received God's divinity into us. And the fact is that this divinity has been mingled with our humanity. That doesn't mean that we become something different. We still have our humanity, but we also have God's divinity, and God's divinity is mingled with our humanity. So God's divinity and our humanity remain distinct But these two elements are mingled together, and this is a reality in the experience of every genuine believer in Christ. So actually, rather than a term to be afraid of, we can be happy, we can be confident to say that our humanity is being mingled with divinity. Yes. It's quite a thought, Bob. Wonderful thought. I'd like to thank Bob Danker for being with us today. I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you have any questions or would like to find other Christians in your area who also enjoy this ministry, feel free to call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.